Coming up on Stu Does America, Arthur Brooks joins us to tell us why, no matter what your age is, your best years could be ahead of you. Unless you're Joe Biden, obviously. Joe Biden does live up to his promise to choose the next Supreme Court justice based entirely on skin color and genitalia. Hmm. The world is going crazy, so make sure to keep up to date with a subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. And Biden is clearly out of his depth with the Russia-Ukraine situation, but his list of screw-ups leading up to this point is almost even more disturbing. Let's look back and do Biden's Ukraine failures. Stu does America. We are in war footing. This is not a drill. Get your cell phones ready. It's war time. Yes, we're going through a war in Europe. <laughs> we missed that, didn't we? That was a, such a fun thing from back in the day. And now it's here once again. But this time we all have cell phones. So there's incredible footage coming out of Ukraine in this uh, war that is uh, broken out. Thanks to our good buddy, Vladimir Putin. Uh, there's some good news. Let me give it to you here. First of all, you have a Russian jet shot out of the sky. Let's watch that. Here we go. Oh, there it is coming to the ground. Oh, no. So sad. I am broken up about it, uh, just like he is, apparently. Uh, There's that going on. There's also um, (laughs) there's also footage from a a bizarre situation where a guy's just driving down the street and a a tank just drives right at him, right over them. North of the city center. Boom. Right over him. Eyewitnesses and yet to believe they the pull him out of the car. The guy's Amazingly, alive. The driver survived. A tank drove the over his head and he's still alive. Now, we don't know for sure whether it was a Russian tank or a Ukrainian tank. It's possible Ukrainian tanks decided to just run over their own citizens in their own cities. But I'm going to go ahead and guess on this one and say it was a Russian uh, tank. Um, and of course, we have this one, which is it ends sad in a sad way, but one of the most badass things ever done. This is uh, audio. Uh, This is a Russian warship, I repeat. I suggest you surrender. Otherwise, I will open fire. And then the Ukrainians are on the other side here. They're waiting to give a response, and they say to themselves, uh, this is it, here it is. Uh, Should I tell him to go F himself? You know. And goes, uh, turns up the volume, he says, Russian warship, go F yourself. He legitimately said it. I really, I thought about, should we make t-shirts that just say Russian warship, go F yourself? I just want one. I don't know that anyone else would buy one, but I kind of want one. Um, now, the sad thing is, of course, the Russian, uh, the Russian warship decided to start firing, and 13 people who were there all are dead, but they will be honored posthumously with, uh, with a, an honor um, yeah, from Ukraine. Uh, and I don't know, it's, if you're going to go out, there's probably not a better way to go out than just saying Russian warship, go F yourself. So this is the, the state of affairs here. But I will say, you know, you look at these things. People are dying in Ukraine. Um, this is a, a terrible, terrible situation on both sides. They're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of casualties. But you should know that that's not the only tragedy. There's in some ways an even greater tragedy that happened as a result of this conflict. And Joy Behar is here to tell you all about it. 
estimates are 50,000 Ukrainians mm -hmm. will be dead or wounded, yeah. and that this is going to start a humanitarian crisis, That's a refugee crisis That's in bad. Europe. We're talking yeah. about five million people oh yeah. five that, million. that are going to be displaced. Yeah. I mean, That's pretty bad. It's, it's heartbreaking it is. to what hear else is worse? what's worse, is going to happen. Is there yeah. something worse? Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in, in Western Europe, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it oh, because no. of, oh, of no. uh, the pandemic. And now this, you know, it's, yeah. it's like who's going to what's going to happen there? Yeah. I mean, really, what's worse? Sure, there could be millions of people displaced, hundreds of thousands of people dead. But Joy can't go on her vacation. I mean, she wants to go to Italy. First, there was that, that nagging, uh, catastrophic pandemic where millions died. And now this. When does she get to enjoy some wine on the beach? Huh? How about that? I'm very concerned. I will say, I myself import caviar from this region. When will it show up? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I've also been um, going out. And I've, I've got a, a, a dark website that I go on and I uh, purchase orphans for uh, indentured servitude. When are they going to come? I can't even get in touch with my contact over there. Tragedies all around. Uh, and that's, again, not the only tragedy. It's not just the main tragedy. Well, there's that other tragedy of all the people dying in the war. And then there's the main tragedy of Joy Behar's Italian vacations that are... They haven't gone away yet, but they're in they're questioned at this point. Who knows when when they'll come back? And then, of course, the 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 biggest threat out there, the biggest existential threat that we face right now. Obviously, John Kerry can talk about climate change. I'm very concerned about I'm concerned about Ukraine because of the people of Ukraine and because of the principles that are at risk. Yeah, of course you are. Uh, in mm -hmm. terms of international but, law but, and trying to change mm -hmm. boundaries sure. of international oh, law by force. Huge, yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, I thought we lived in a world that had mm -hmm. said no to that kind of activity. Right, but mainly, and I hope diplomacy mm -hmm. will win. Oh, of course but you do. But massive uh, emissions yeah. consequences to the war, but equally importantly, mm -hmm. you're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose mm. certainly big country attention mm -hmm. because they will be diverted. And, and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, mm -hmm. they used to live on 66 percent of a nation that was over frozen land. And that was good. Now it's thawing. Oh, no. And his infrastructure is at risk. Mm -hmm. And the people of Russia. Are at right. Risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. You know, I hope so, too. I hope Vladimir, in between blowing up a bunch of orphans and kindergartners, he'll think about the 0.9 degree temperature rise that's happened over the past century. I hope he's there to address it. Now, I know he's very worried that a large portion of his country, which is currently frozen, may become livable to humans if the globe warms. So I'm sure that's at the top of his priority list. But who knows? We can only hope that he'll be there for us and the climate. You know, there was some criticism, a tad of criticism on John Kerry on this for bringing up the climate in this situation. But isn't it consistent? They've been telling us for years and years and years the greatest geopolitical threat is, of course, not Russia. It's not Al Qaeda. It's not uh, ISIS. It's not Iran. It's not China. It's not North Korea. No, no, no. It's the climate. 
The climate is the greatest existential threat that we face in our society today. So doesn't it make sense that in the middle of a crisis, he's focusing on climate issues? It's completely consistent. Now, it also shows how dumb the point was earlier when he was saying it was the largest threat. Sure. Sure, that's possible uh, to take that uh, from his idiotic comments, but it's consistent. He's consistently wrong, and at least you can say that about him. Now, what can we do here? We have a situation where we have, uh, you know, we, we, I mean, look, we, we've got a couple options here. We could go to Vladimir Putin and say, please uh, control our global temperatures. We could try that. Or when there is a big problem with one of the largest energy producers in the world who's decided to just go over somebody's border and start killing people, uh, there could be a disruption to our energy markets, and we need to deal with that. We could deal with it by asking Vladimir Putin to help us with the climate, or we could go down the road of maximizing and max producing our own energy resources. We've got them. We could do something about that. Tom Cotton noticed that maybe we could do something about that. Here's what he had to say. Joe Biden's reckless energy policies have already driven up the price of oil and gas over the last year. So even he and his administration is admitting they don't want to impose oil and gas sanctions on Russia because they're afraid it's going to add to the inflation they've already created. Hmm. Well, how about we impose those sanctions, but we lift all those restrictions on the production of American oil and gas Hmm. so we can start drilling on federal lands again and putting out new leases so we can reopen the Keystone Pipeline, which would bring more oil into America every day from Canada than we import every day from Russia. That's what we should well, be Sen- doing. Gee, you think? I mean, if we're going to be using... The climate point doesn't even make any sense. We're going to be using the gas and the, and, and the fuel anyway. Why not get it from this side of the world instead of that side? But it doesn't matter to these people. I mean, Mark Andreessen, the investor, came out and said, hey, maybe we should like think about building a thousand nuclear power plants around the world right now so that this stuff doesn't happen anymore. We don't have to depend on places like Russia. Places can depend with clean energy on their own resources. Maybe we could do something like that. Are we going to do that? Of course not. In fact, Florida is now rescinding a license extension for a Florida nuclear plant. Countries all over Europe have been cutting back on their nuclear energy over the past few years. It's just everybody's going the wrong direction. They're all walking the wrong way down a one-way street. So let's look back, because it's not just the climate stuff that's been a catastrophe when it comes to Biden. How did we get here with all this? Remember, Donald Trump took a lot of criticism. He said this. He said, I think it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany. We're protecting France. We're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of these countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia when they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. We know that that particular pipeline he was talking about has finally, finally, after all of this time, been shut down by Germany, uh, which is good. But they, but Europe is continuing to buy natural gas from Russia. And I don't mean like in the future. I mean right now, today. They're buying more gas from Russia today than they did last week. We are buying more oil from Russia today than we did last week. That's still happening. How is that possible? How is it possible? Biden, of course, waived sanctions on a Russian gas pipeline company. 
This is back from May 2021. Biden under fire from Congress for waiving sanctions on Russian gas pipeline company. Let's give you these headlines. Uh, U.S. urges Ukraine to stay quiet on Russian pipeline. This is from July of 2021. Here's the thing. Ukraine was like, hey, guys, don't give Russia any more power. You see what they're doing. They've already taken over chunks of land from us. They went into Georgia. They went into Crimea. And they're going to come here, too. Uh, you can't keep giving them more and more money so they can pad their own coffers. And Joe Biden said, eh, you know what you should do? Shut up. That was in July of last year. Trump was slammed for cozying up to Putin, but Biden handled him a greater gift by waiving sanctions on a gas pipeline that could destabilize Europe. Flashback. Does anybody remember this stuff? How about flashback to Hunter Biden receiving $3.5 million in a wire transfer from a Russian billionaire? Corruption. We've been talking about it for a very long time, and we've gone into a lot of detail. Read Peter Schweizer's book. If you want to learn about that a little bit, Hillary Clinton sided with Russia on sanctions as Bill made fi- as Bill, her her, uh, her, you know, gropey husband made five hundred thousand dollars on a Moscow speech. All of this went down right around the same time. This has been a deep area of corruption for a long time uh, among the left. And all of these little these little bits and pieces of information have added up to a period where sanctions can't work. They can't work on Vladimir Putin because he's been able to put away tens of billions of dollars into slush funds that that can supply his own uh, wants and needs and uh, that can go after uh, that can supply the wants and needs of his oligarchs, which is really the only way to take him down, probably in, in the country, though, if this war continues to go the way it is, it's possible his people will eventually rise up. So what are these sanctions even supposed to do? You know who you might think, you know, but you know who doesn't know the White House? They have absolutely no idea what these sanctions are supposed to do. Let me give you a little bit of evidence there. Number two, no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. No one did. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. Oh, No one expected them to to deter anyone, but of course they were designed for deterrence. This is what we're dealing with in the White House right now. Now, uh, there's late breaking news that Putin is supposed to be sanctioned or will be sanctioned soon. Um, But think about that statement. The war's already started. In theory, Vladimir Putin is just as likely as he was two weeks ago to be sitting next to you at a blackjack table at Caesars in Vegas. There's no sanctions against this guy until today. Really? We couldn't come up with that one. This guy can go wherever he wants. He can spend as he pleases. He has access to all of his resources as normal. How is that possible? It's just the grave, grave incompetence we've seen from this administration on every issue. But this one, just another shining example. This came out today from The New York Times. The U.S. met with China over three months to present intelligence showing Russia's troop buildup near Ukraine and to urge Beijing to help avert a war. This is according to U.S. officials. Chinese officials rebuffed the U.S. and then shared the information with Moscow. They're just like, hey, that's interesting. First of all, we're not going to do anything. And second of all, thanks for the info. I'm going to transmit it to Vladimir. That's they thought that was going to work. They thought the country that has still to this day not given us the information we need to know about the pandemic that they uh, uh, let spread all over the world. 
that they were going to be helpful with us to stop a war with Russia. Did you really think so? Did you really think that was going to work? Did you? Because, I mean, I don't even know what to think about you if you did. And, of course, this comes from the administration that oversaw Taliban Joe, the administration that oversaw the downfall of Afghanistan, the probably the greatest bit of incompetence we've ever seen from a U.S. president. I don't know if that's overstating it. It was one of the most embarrassing things I have ever seen personally. Well, in case you were wondering how things were going, about 95 percent of the country is starving now. All of our allies and still plenty of our citizens are stuck there. It's, in a, it's a complete catastrophe and meltdown. But they did have time to release a statement about the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Quote, the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan is closely monitoring the situation in Ukraine and expresses concern about real possibility of civilian casualties. I mean, I swear this is real. The Islamic Emirate calls for restraint by both parties. All sides need to desist from taking positions that could intensify violence because, you know, the Taliban hates violence. The Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, in line with its foreign policy of neutrality, calls on both sides of the conflict to resolve the crisis through dialogue and peaceful means. The Islamic Emirate also calls on parties to the conflict to pay attention to safeguarding the lives of Afghan students and migrants in Ukraine. TalibanJoeMerch.com. Get yours today before we all get ours. What was required here for all of this to happen was a perfect storm. A 25-car pileup at the intersection of weakness and incompetence. Is Joe Biden to blame for this conflict? Well, you know, primarily Vladimir Putin is the one to blame. If there's a rash of carjackings in a city, the people primarily to blame are the carjackers. But if the mayor has defunded the police, he's created a climate that makes the crime all that much more likely. Joe Biden exudes weakness. He exudes incompetence. Cutting and running from Afghanistan was a massive statement of weakness. But there was a competent way to be weak. You could have evacuated the civilians and allies first. You could have destroyed the military equipment so they didn't get their hands on it. They could have held the airbase for a while longer. That would have still been weak, but at least it would have been competent weak. What Joe Biden has told the world over and over again is that he's incomprehensibly weak and stunningly incompetent, not to mention massively corrupt all at the same time. That combination has opened up the door to evil and evil is walking right through it. Maybe the world's stressing you out just a little bit. Maybe just a tad. Maybe there's a little bunch of stuff going on around the world that's, I don't know, maybe getting your dander up a little bit. Does CBD work to help that problem? Will it cure your dander being up? I don't know. 90% of doctors uh, say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. And when nine out of 10 patients use it, there's something going on there, right? Um, let me tell you about CBDistillery.com. With over 2 million customers and counting, CB Distillery is the source to trust. If you have sleeping problems, when surveyed, 90% of CB Distillery customers said they sleep better with CBD. If you have nagging discomfort, the same survey states that 80% of their customers found that CBD helped them. Go to CBDistillery.com where you order online with no prescription required. If you enter SDA, student 
Judah's America, S-D-A, for 20% off. You're going to uh, get the deal. So do it. Again, enter S-D-A for 20% off at cbdistillery.com. It's cbdistillery.com, not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. It's cbdistillery.com. I'm happy to welcome one of my favorite authors, Arthur Brooks, to the program. He is a professor at the Harvard Kennedy School and author of the new book, From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life, which is available now. Make sure to go out and grab a copy. Uh, Arthur, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Uh, really well. Thanks for coming on the program. I, I appreciate it. Um, your book is great, and it highlights. Honestly, I should say your book is terrifying. <laughs> At least that's how I started with it, because I, I remember you, you wrote something about um, how your professional decline is coming, and we realize how much of 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 our lives is wrapped around our work. And you kind of illustrated this with a with a great story about a guy that we I guess would all know on a plane. Can you can you tell us the story? Yeah, I was listening. Well, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I was on a plane doing what I always did. I was a CEO for a long time, running a think tank in Washington D.C. and traveling around all the time, and you know, doing all the the traditional kind of business successful stuff. And I heard a couple behind me on a plane one night. It was a night flight from L.A. to Washington. And the, the husband, I could tell they were elderly. I could tell it was a man and a woman. And I assumed because of the conversation that they were married. The husband was telling his wife that he might as well be dead, that, that, that nobody appreciated him anymore. Nobody even remembered him anymore and just disconsolate. And anyway, so I just went over 20 minutes. About an hour later, we landed in Washington, D.C. And the lights went on. We all stood up and I turned around and it was one of the most successful men in the world. I thought to myself, man, I'm getting everything wrong. I'm a social scientist. You know, I, I teach happiness at Harvard University. I should know that this is, there's something going on here. Is it true that if you have this much success, you can wind up that dissatisfied? Now, when in search to, of an answer, I did an eight-year research project, as a matter of fact, for my satisfaction. It was, a, a, it was like me search, not research. And, and I think I cracked the code. Here was my objective. What can we do to avoid that? And more importantly, what can we do at 25 or 45 or, or 65 to increase the odds of being happier than we were before at 75? And this book is The Seven Habits of the Happiest People in Old Age and What They Did Earlier in Life to Get There. Hmm. You talk about one of the foundational parts of this is the difference between fluid and crystallized intelligence. This is a pretty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Can you kind yeah, of talk about right. that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So when you said that, you know, professional decline is coming sooner than we think, that's true. But it's also true that your greatest successes lie ahead. And the reason is because early on, our successes come from what's called fluid intelligence. That's kind of your raw smarts and your ability to answer other people's questions with, you know, sheer mental muscle and hard work. That actually increases in your ability through your 20s and 30s. That's why startup entrepreneurs tend to be quite young. But then it decreases all the way through your 40s and 50s. However, there's another kind of intelligence called your crystallized intelligence that's increasing in your 40s and increasing fast in your 50s and even your 60s and can stay high in your 70s and 80s. That crystallized intelligence is your wisdom. It's your ability to tell a story that people can understand. It's your ability to, to teach. So your first intelligence is your Elon Musk intelligence. Your second intelligence is your master teacher, your Dalai Lama intelligence. And, and this is the most important thing. If you can get from one curve onto the other by changing your duties, changing your job, changing your ambitions, your happiest times are at the end of your life. The greatest success lies ahead. 
Yeah, you talk a lot, a lot in the book about this second curve concept, basically, um, where as your first that first curve comes and we can't help but continue to chase it as we lose our abilities um, uh, slowly. And you might still be able to do a lot of the things you did before, but they become harder. Maybe you don't have the, the innovative skill that you had earlier in life. But if you can kind of make this transition, you can find as much or maybe even more happiness. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, nobody likes to lose anything. Once we bank these skills through our hard work, man, it doesn't feel good. You got to, you know, the, the great uh, poet Dylan Thomas talked about rage, rage against the dying of the light. And we always rage against things that we're losing. And especially, by the way, strivers, hardworking people, the people who are watching the Blaze TV are making a lot with their lives. And when they work hard with personal responsibility and merit, which is a real thing, and they see something getting harder, like, no, 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 not on my watch. And they work harder. The key thing to remember is that your strengths change over the course of your life. And trust me on this. I've done the research on this, that, that you can get much greater success than you had early in life. You can dominate what you do later in life, but you got to jump from that first curve to the second. And this book is a handbook on how to do it step by step. I promise anybody who reads this book, I'm not going to leave it up to chance. It's not going to be mysterious. You're going to know exactly how to jump from one curve onto the other and get happier and more successful. You use the example because, you know, I'm, I feel that way. I, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, my mid 40s now. And I, I know at some point, you know, this is coming if it hasn't started already. I mean, people have been watching the show. Maybe it's sucked lately. Um, you know, but as you kind of go forward, you, you use that example of that, an athlete. And an athlete is forced to kind of deal with this reality a lot earlier in life. Everyone knows the athletic curve comes and goes really quickly. When you right. put it on that scale, I mean, everyone knows this is coming to them eventually. But we, I guess in other professions, we just fight it off mentally. We think that it, it's not going to hit us. Yeah, no, we all know that athletes can't keep going on and on and on. I mean, Tom Brady, even the great Tom Brady, who has, you know, has some weird pact, you know, <laughs> metaphysically, was able to go on and on. But... But even he has, has to retire. But, and we know that because, you know, physical prowess declines after a certain point. But we all kind of think that mental prowess is not the same thing. You think like, no, 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 no. If I make my, job, my, make my living as a lawyer or in sales or in data entry or as an air traffic controller or whatever, you know, whatever you happen to do that actually uses your brain, that pr predominantly uses your brain, that you can be able to go on and on and on and on until you lose your marbles when you're super old, if you do. That's not right. The structure of our brains changes. The prefrontal cortex of the brain, the big meaty lobes behind our, behind our foreheads, you know, that actually changes in structure and it gives you one set of skills early and one set of skills later. And the more you understand this, the more you're actually able to tap into this. You know, you're in your mid-40s for sure. You're, you're, you're going to notice that it gets easier for you as a broadcaster, as a journalist, to actually talk about things in ways that people understand very, very clearly. That's your crystallized intelligence. And by the way, you know, if I had hair like you, huh, I could be president of the United States. So, so I hope you're not complaining too much. <laughs> no, I mean, I complain about tons of other things. The hair is at least mediocre. I'm fine with that. Oh, it's fantastic. Point. It's <laughs> beautiful. Are you kidding? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I think people understand this, right, Arthur? Like, they, But like making the leap is, is, is another story. Like actually deciding and embracing this is difficult. You talk in the book about, I think it was a female a CEO or a high achiever who said in a conversation with you that she'd rather be special than happy. And I thought that was a really revealing anecdote. I mean, are we prioritizing the wrong things? Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I talk a lot about in this book is one of the things that holds us back from letting things go and getting on the second curve is a success addiction. 
You know, it's funny. Addictions all have one thing in common, and that's dopamine. It's a it's a neurotransmitter in the brain that hooks you on things, hooks you on gambling. It hooks you on. It can hook people on pornography and terrible things like awful things. You know, drugs, alcohol, and it's the same brain chemical that the same that'll get you hooked on anything. And one of the things that many people who are strivers who are working hard in their lives get hooked on is their success. Hit the lever, get the cookie. You know, get the kind of the, everybody says you're good when you're a kid, that you're a high achiever when you're a kid. So you hit the lever and hit the lever, and you're working harder and harder. And when things get harder for you to get that success, you panic. And you try to double down on your effort. These are success addicts and it, it, it chains you to that first curve as opposed to, to thinking, what do I really want in my life? What are the relationships that I actually need? I need to start throwing things away instead of actually accumulating more things, more relationships, more successes. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, I talk about this woman that I met, a big Wall Street financier who had had unbelievable fluid intelligence, incredible entrepreneurial success early on. And she was kind of starting to miss a beat. Now, most high achievers... That other people don't notice when they're missing a beat. The first tell is that you stop loving what you do. For the first time in a long time, you kind of burned out. You're like, ah, I really used to like this. I don't as much. That's a signal that your fluid intelligence is in decline. She said, yeah, I don't like it as much. And you know, other people are doing it better than me. But she didn't have good relationships. She, didn't, she wasn't actually ready for any other part of her life. And I said, well, why don't you do what you need to do? Step back from your business. You're rich, I said. She said, well, I guess I just prefer to be special than happy. And that's what all addicts say. That's what all workaholics say. That's what all alcoholics say, as a matter of fact, that, that they would, prefer, they would pr prefer to be high than happy. And, and we got to break that addiction. And the only thing that can is love in our lives. And so I talk an awful lot in this book about how to repair the relationship so that we can move from one curve to the other. So, Arthur, what's holding people back from doing this? I mean, it's, is it getting worse because of things like social media and, and everybody comparing themselves to each other? Yeah, for sure. That's absolutely the case. And there are a lot of people my age and your age that are stuck on social media, too. I can't, you know, any number of journalists and professors, you know, you get guys like you and me that are on Twitter all day long. It's, it's pathetic, as a matter <laughs> of fact. But, you know, the truth is people are afraid. People are afraid to let things go. People are afraid to, to tell their friends, you know, that they're, they're going to try something new. They're afraid to actually go from the, the cowboy to the teacher, to from the innovator to the instructor. They're, they're kind of, they're just, they're not quite sure that maybe that, that, that curve doesn't exist. They're afraid that they'll lose a little bit of prestige, that they'll lose the admiration of other people. Maybe they won't be as rich. Maybe they won't be as, as powerful as they used to be. But, but look, we deserve to be happy. You know, we want it. We don't want to be like that guy in the plane telling his wife he might as well be dead because he's not getting the successes that he got in past decades. We deserve to be happier at 75 than we were at 25. And, and the guarantee is that we can do that. Each one of us can do that if we have the right practices, the right habits and, and the right skills. It's really all about trying to find what's actually important to in your life and prioritizing those things as well. The book's great. Uh, Arthur Brooks, professor at the Harvard Kennedy School and author of the new book, From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. It's available uh, right now, so don't miss it. Arthur, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. Great to see you. transferring to that uh, second curve in life. Maybe you're looking to uh, change. Uh, we, t we talked about acquiring more things. 
Um, maybe you're trying to downsize your home. Maybe you're deciding to move to a better area, a place that you're going to be more happy. Um, if you're doing that and you need to find a home, you got to make sure you do it right. And if you do that the right way, you have to have the right real estate agent. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person, no matter where you're going. If you happen to be one of these people who are living in a very restrictive area of the country and decided, you know, I'm going to move to Florida or Texas or somewhere else, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com is a great resource for you because when you move into a new area, you don't know who the good real estate agents are. You can find one at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. President Joe Biden in the middle of doing all the incredible work he is doing in uh, with the Ukraine and Russia, he was still able to name his Supreme Court nominee. Uh, and no surprise here, Kentanji Brown-Jackson was the pick. Now, she was the overwhelming favorite going into this. We talked about her on day one as the probable pick. There were three uh, women who were um, thrown out there as possible nominees. The only one that was kind of interesting to me outside of Katanji Brown-Jackson as a possibility was Childs from South Carolina. And the reason why, well, two reasons. Uh, one, there was some bipartisan interest. So maybe Biden wanting to look like he's bipartisan going into an election where he's going to get smoked. Um, Lindsey Graham was outwardly advocating for Childs to be the pick uh, and uh, indicated that they could get some Republican votes. I don't think that matters to Biden. He's never been an actual moderate. So, you know, it's all fake. The whole lunchbox Joe thing is complete BS. No one calls him a middle class Joe. And uh, he's never really cared. He's never been a moderate at any point. So I never thought that was real. The one that I thought was potentially real was that Clyburn also was advocating behind the scenes. Now, Clyburn, if you remember, was the person who basically got Biden elected. He was he needed to win desperately in South Carolina. He had no wins in the primaries. Clyburn endorsed him, kind of put him over the top. Uh, he is also known to go in the middle of a debate while they were debating on stage, went to Joe Biden and said he needed to announce he was going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court during the debate. And Joe Biden, the loyal foot soldier that he was, just listened and did it as if uh, Clyburn was the puppet master, but apparently does not have enough sway to actually make the pick himself. So we do know that Katanji Brown Jackson is the pick. Now, uh, Brown uh, Jackson is highly qualified. Uh, there's, uh, there's not really a, uh, an argument against her resume. Her resume is very, very strong. Um, she's very, very liberal, um, obviously, and is not gonna be a, a Supreme Court justice we're gonna like, at least not very often. In a way, this is similar to uh, the Brett Kavanaugh thing, where it was very difficult to look at Brett Kavanaugh's um, his resume and say anything other than he looked very qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Of course, people on the left didn't like the way he would rule, so they accused him of rape. Now, I know I I don't know if anyone is. Um, I, I guess that's not true. Jesse Kelly, our friend Jesse Kelly, did accuse Katanji Brown Jackson of rape, raping him. I don't know if it's true, uh, but he did put it out there on Twitter. So I think she has to answer for it now. We'll see how that goes, see if the media picks up uh, a completely random accusation that doesn't seem at all believable and has no evidence behind it. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll take Jesse's accusation just as seriously as they did with Brett Kavanaugh. I don't know. Um, so is Ketanji Brown Jackson the best person for this job? We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea because 99% of people were eliminated before they started looking. 
That's the thing. And it's the problem with Ketanji Brown Jackson. And, and it will follow her around probably the entire time she's a justice because we have no idea if she's the most qualified because Joe Biden didn't look at people. She didn't he didn't look at any Asians for the job. He didn't look at any Native Americans for the job. He didn't look at any Hispanics for the job and obviously no white people. He didn't look at almost every single person in the entire country. They were all eliminated regardless of how good they could have been on the Supreme Court. So Katanji Brown Jackson wins the title of the most qualified, we guess, uh, black woman for that's liberal to go on the Supreme Court. And that's not nothing. I mean, that's pretty significant. Uh, there's a lot of black women who'd be qualified to be on the Supreme Court, and I guess she's the most qualified. That's an accomplishment. It's just unfair to her because you basically said, well, none of you people count. We're going to go to this small group and only pick from this small group, and that's just unfair. It's unfair to her. Um, but, hey, she's got a Supreme Court gig, and those things last forever. They don't need any Democratic or Republican votes for this, so it will be shocking, stunning, if she does not get through with 50 votes at least. There were a few, I think three Republicans who voted for her when she was confirmed for a lower court position. Um, already, it seems like Lindsey Graham, because he's mad he didn't get his pick, is probably not going to go along with that. You make it one or two, I think it's, you know, 1.5 is probably the over-under for Republican votes on this one, but it will get through, uh, barring some... Uh, barring the Jesse Kelly thing, having real evidence behind it. We'll see. We'll have to, maybe we should ask Jesse about that uh, next week. Maybe he'll come on and explain the terrible situation surrounding that. Um, the CDC is easing, easing pandemic mask guidelines. Now, I don't know. I don't know who you are out there. If you're sitting there thinking, gosh, what do I do? Let me ask the CDC. At this point, is anybody listening to the CDC's mask guidelines? I know there are some organizations that might do this. It'll probably help. There is some level of, of cover that this provides certain businesses and organizations who say, we're going to follow the CDC. We're not going to make any decisions ourselves. We're not going to, we have no opinion on, on our life and our risk tolerance. We don't know anything about anything. We're just going to listen to whatever Anthony Fauci says. Some of those people uh, will be uh, changing their restrictions based on this information. Generally speaking, though, I think the American people have left this far behind. We've been in this battle for a long time. We know what the risks are. And sometimes we'll lose. Sometimes we'll say we don't want to do those restrictions. And maybe maybe it will cost us. But we are the we get to determine our own futures here. We get to make those decisions, not you. And I don't think the CDC has been making them for people for a very long time. Uh, and now uh, that will be even more emphasized as we get past Omicron. We've gone through all of this. We kind of understand it now. You can go out and get the treatments that are out there if you want to get them. If you don't, fine, whatever. Let's move on with our lives. Only one state will have an indoor mask mandate. And it's, I will tell you, there's one thing this show has given you over the past couple of years is that island Island residents are a little protective. Hawaii will keep their uh, mask mandate on, at least for the time being, the only state in the union. And I'm telling you, this is a thing. Why is Australia so weird? Why is Hawaii so weird? Why is New Zealand so weird? All this weirdness from islands because they're, they're not used to anybody showing up. No one ever shows up. Uh, no one crosses their borders, so they get very protective and they're very scared of outside diseases coming in. And so uh, there you go. That's your piece of evidence. That's scientifically proven, by the way. Island people, island residents, very strange. People from Australia, very protective. Uh, and, and they won't let any of your diseases in. So remember that next time you visit an island, nothing there can happen that would spread disease.
<laughs> Some scientific advice for you. Uh, if you like uh, great snacks and you'd rather eat the great snacks, but then not, you know, pack on the pounds that are associated with great, delicious snacks. We've got a lot of good food. Capitalism is fantastic, man. They've given us so many delicious treats. Built Bar, though, has given us an incredibly delicious treat, but they don't make you balloon into a you know, Goodyear blimp for eating them. Raspberry, coconut, mint brownie, cookies and cream, double chocolate, uh, lemon-dipped cheesecake, banana cream pie. They've always got crazy flavors coming out. You can get the mix box where you get their nine original flavors, uh, get to sample everything. 18 grams of protein, uh, less than 180 calories, uh, you know, less than five carbs and sugar. Look, the bottom line is these are healthy for you and they taste great. They're not normal protein bars. Don't be fooled by the title. Put them in your fridge. Chill them a little bit. Go to built.com. Use the promo code Stu15. Save 15% off your first order. Why not save the 15%? Use the promo code Stu15 uh, because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 15% off at built.com. It's built.com. Code Stu15. Thank you so much for checking out the show. You can rate and review it on podcast. We're having uh, record weeks uh, in and out uh, each, each week, uh, you know, and we really do thank you for that. And that's uh, I certainly am not doing a good job. I mean, obviously, uh, five stars is the appropriate number of stars, though. You got to do that. Uh, this one comes in. Conservators unite more charts and graphs, please. Specifically one counting down the days until Sleepy Joe is out of office. I have bad news, you know, um, the Emergencies Act is coming uh, to the United States, so he's never leaving office. Um, awesome stupid show. All right, here's what happened. I love this stupid show. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate this. And whenever you review this podcast, it's always important uh, to, uh, to make sure that you do five stars, you give the review. I don't care what it says. You know, it's great, whatever. It's totally fine. But the point is that not only when you review this show with five stars does it help this particular podcast, but it also hurts others. And that's the most important thing. This one comes in. This pain of these five stars, I hope this hurts others. And, you know, that's really good. I'm glad I've now convinced people to rate the show with five stars just to put real pain in other podcasts. We're, uh, we're Americans. We're selfish. We're capitalists. And therefore, we want to prop ourselves up while putting our hand down on the little peons, the other disgusting peasant podcasts that we crush, we crush beneath our feet over and over again. So uh, give us five stars. Back in a second. As you know, I'm a big lover of social media, huge fan of it, and I know you are as well. Uh, by the way, tons of people on the Facebook page this week. We do appreciate you going there and commenting, following, doing all the things. Uh, so here's what we'd love you to do. If you follow the show on Facebook, uh, and then if you go into the little menu there and you like, uh, you, know, you hover over there and you'll see a menu to, to like the show. And uh, you'll, that helps uh, you kind of go around the big tech algorithms that block our content all the time. Do those things, couple of steps. We do appreciate it. And make sure to check out the show whenever you can and share it with others because, you know, that's, that's, that's the nice thing to do. Okay? Don't keep it all to yourselves. Share it with others. Mm. You're so sweet and nice. Okay. So here's what happened. There are some break-ins in a neighborhood. In fact, 28 break-ins in a neighborhood, and they finally found the culprit. Yeah, you know it. They went after someone who was brown. Mm-hmm. You know the story. Here he is, Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank, now he's a bear. I should point that out. He is a giant, big, fat, Jeffy-sized bear. 
Look at that guy. He's adorable. I just love to give him a hug. Would you just love to give that guy a hug right there? Ah, I love him. Anyway, Hank the Tank uh, had broken into like 28 homes, and they were about to euthanize the dude, just like we've thought about euthanizing Jeffy. And uh, what happens was he goes, they, there's a, another break-in. They're about to blame it on Hank the Tank, like they always do. They always put it on the brown bear. That's what they always do. But then they found out after a DNA test, it was not Hank the Tank. It was some other fat bear. So Hank the Tank is innocent. He will not be euthanized. Thank God. And he can go about his life enjoying, enjoying the forest and dying of bear diabetes like all the other fat bears. So there you go. Happy ending. Good night, everybody.